Welcome, everyone, to another week with your hosts, Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen. What a schuss to be here another week and to try to create a little awareness, a little bit more awareness to Klai Yisrael about the mental health field and with Siata Deshmai, by us creating an awareness, we are davening for Siata Deshmai that we should be able to make change. The number to call up to ask your question, to hear your live question is 718-683-5858, and we look forward to taking your questions and your comments, so feel free to go ahead and to send any of those that you would like. Reb what would you like to start off with? Yeah, actually, we have already Mr. G online, okay? Okay, Mr. G, we are starting with you. Hello, Mordechai. Yes, Shalom Aleichem. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm telling you, I'm really enjoying listening to your program. Unfortunately, my cell phone service got shut off yesterday. They got they flagged the the phone service because they they they. So I called up today. They said, "Oh, you're putting in too many hours listening to things." So Baruch ah. Hashem, they put the service back on, but I didn't know that was a problem. <laughs> wow, Baruch Hashem. So I'm sure you've got some good places here that you're listening to as well. Well, yeah, but I'm listening to. I, I actually, through my work, um, I teach woodworking. I think I spoke to you a while back. So while I prepare, yeah, I uh, I, I listen to your uh, to your program, which I, I really find it very therapeutic and very uh, relaxing. Wow, amazing! So let's hear a little feedback, a little update. What would you like to share with us? Um, through, uh, I guess uh, well, I actually have a question. Go um, ahead. But, um, um, I was, I'm really enjoying listening, you know, um, the way you helped it was like, I'm listening in the hundreds. So um, a few times I was very, really enjoyed listening how you helped. Um, there was one girl who was afraid um, to speak publicly and you went through with, I got her to speak on the phone. I, I really enjoyed that, you know, how you got her to, I thought that was so special how you, you got her to say hello and then. And then you got feedback the next week about that. That was really enjoyable. How, how um, yeah, you know. Thank you, thank you. It's a sometimes, sure you... and and it's amazing for me to hear what you're saying. Like when people hear the recordings, like sometimes I forget what I am, like what I do, and <laughs> you know, sometimes you do something and you don't realize that it even has an effect later on because I'm doing so much now, and we put it up. That's something that's amazing about technology. Or, or right. the past when I was writing books, say people still read books, but not what it used to be. That you can say one thing and it can just have a positive effect. Exactly. Wow. Um, so I actually have a question. Um, yeah. Uh, well, maybe you'll tell me if you you agree with with my uh, with my weirdness. Um, but basically, um, I teach. I was involved in teaching special ed for many years, and I also teach in the mainstream. Um, yes. So I'm familiar with both, and I see that in the mainstream I sometimes have um, children who 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 really like have a really hard time. And this year I have two boys who are really struggling in the mainstream, you know, in, in the regular program, in the regular in the, in the regular. I'm talking about a regular cheder. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really appreciate like how you talk about when it comes to medication. I really appreciate your approach. Like you, you don't say go straight to medication. You say, you know, first try maybe vitamins, and then obviously, you know, if obviously if medication is needed, is necessary, then obviously you have to go there. But I, I really appreciate your moderate approach um, to that. Um, my Thank question you. is, yeah, um, my question is, is that is it possible um, that sometimes, like with the boys I see sometimes teaching in the mainstream, that like you talk about denial on your line, and is it possible that sometimes instead of a person, let's say, um, saying um, that my child doesn't really belong or is it possible that my child needs extra help, um, instead of doing that, a, per- a person will, ch- will choose to push it, put, instead of like, a, I guess, a little bit of um, denial and saying, I'm going to shove my child into this system, into this approach, and I'll give a little medication and, and it will work. Is it possible that some people are not like 
ready to hear that their child really doesn't belong? Is, is that is that sometimes you know? So my question really is: is that just awareness? If you agree with it, is that um, the medication is great for the people that obviously are suffering? But the, the question is: is it, is it possible with, with, that some people are taking a one size fits all and saying you have to fit this uh, you know this uh, this system and this thing, and if you don't, we'll give you medication and and that's it. That's my question, which is, I guess, awareness, if you agree with it. I agree with it, Rav Nissen. Let, let me have your help with this. And I'd like to share with you an interesting story that happened to me just, uh, what's today? Today is Monday, so it started yesterday. Uh, I wanted to, I'm going to change a little information because I want to keep the person's, let's say, information confidential, even though it's not from this country. For whatever reason, about a half a year ago, I was in a certain place with many people, and something stood out by me. Let's say a, a bacher between the ages of 13 and 16. I don't want to go into details, but I saw him, and I happened to have been learning in Bismedrish on Shabbos, and I was impressed that this bacher was there, but I'm just looking at the whole mahal that's going on, and to me, I'm seeing ADHD off the charts. And I sometimes see things, and of course, what I've already learned from life is to just keep my mouth shut, because not always do people want to hear what you're seeing, and then how do you know, and how could you tell, and I could be off, but certain things are very clear. And throughout the time that we're together, it was more than two days, it just stuck out by me, and I didn't say anything. Then randomly, an aunt of this, of this let's say, bacha that I saw, told me, you know, the parents are having difficulties in school with him and things aren't going well. And I said, well, I'll tell you, my instincts are telling me ADHD off the charts. You know, speak to the parents if they want to hear what I have to say. So the parents said, yeah, they're very interested. So I, I speak to the parents. They say, you know, what makes sense. And I take out the DSM-5, which is what we diagnose from, and just reviewing the criteria for ADHD, because just because I see it and it's pretty clear to me, it could be other stuff. And you need about, you need six out of the, of the nine to be diagnosed with ADHD. And I review it with the parents, and the parents tell me there's only one. No, nope. we went through everything. My son's got none of these problems. Anyhow, I get an emergency call yesterday going through this relative of mine that was a relative of that one. This boy is out of yeshiva already for X amount of time. So I saw this about six months ago. And all of a sudden, the yeshiva is saying it's ADHD, and the psychiatrist is saying ADHD. And had they just listened, when they got all the warning signs, when we're clear what it was, it would have been one level. Now the kid is saying, I don't want to take no pills. I don't want to go to yeshiva. I don't care if it'll help my concentration. I don't want to do it now. And the awareness that I would like to create is, and that's what I still say it a lot, Baruch Hashem, in the from world I trust, I, I so appreciate Rav Nissen for having a program like this. But at the same time, we need to realize that in our from world, when people start going for help or for therapy, or when we start listening, it's sometimes when it's too extreme. Now they're calling in a panic, what do we do? And now, unfortunately, you need a couple of weeks of therapy, or, worst, or the worst cases, we have to even give another type of medication, which who wants to load up Bachar with medications, but this kid is already talking about taking off his yarmulke, not wanting to be from. And what's happening is I'm finding myself needing to make decisions, or at least people want to shift on me, very heavy decisions because parents are waking up too late, and once it's a crisis, now we're willing to take medication. But I'm sorry, now the ADHD medication won't help the, as the person told me, I'm disgusted when I look at a Gemara. So now wow. that I've gotten that awareness off my chest, let's go ahead and take your situation. I am aware of several times, especially over the last year and a half that I've been working in our center with Rebbeim, and they're discussing more and more how children that are either on the spectrum or need more contained classes where they want to get up, they can't sit the entire time. And there's some of the classes, they're, they're starting to have yeshivas, which they'll, you'll, the parents pay more, but they have 10 to 15 boys. Real contained classes are supposed to be up to six, six boys or girls. But so the parents are willing to pay more, but give the kids a little bit of freedom. Unfortunately, 
parents are saying, okay, now that they don't manage in our classroom, now we'll give medication. It might be too late at that time. Or if your kid needs the freedom to stand up a little, walk, why medicate, why jump, why do that? Let's see what the kid needs. The kid might need a slower level learning, but still per the grade. So let's understand, this generation, there's, I shouldn't say this generation, we've always been having it from what I'm hearing, but I'm saying always, I'm talking about the last 50 years, that if the yeshiva has a good name and they have a class that's a lower class, then right away the yeshiva's got a name that's not a good name yeshiva. So there's got to be competition, and it's a self-fulfilling negative prophecy where the boys' school, the girls' school, has to have the best. And if you start taking in someone that's not the best, now they're going to lose their name. So the yeshiva also has to take care of themselves. And what we need to start recognizing as parents are the same way the system changes is always by us, the parents, by advocating, saying, I want to change, I want to do things a little bit differently. Your awareness is exactly what I'm backing up. Parents, if you see that your children are not fitting into the exact type scenario that's necessary, change a little. Let them do something differently. There are opportunities out there. And my warning to you, just to be aware, is if you don't do it at the time that it's still possible to work well and easy, unfortunately, once you're willing to do the steps, then it might be already too late. First of all, I want to say that, uh, you know, you're talking about so many years about other options. And unfortunately, unfortunately, some many, many of us parents, we are like locked up in the box. And if the if the boy or the girl not in the same, the, 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 the top yeshiva or top bet Yaakov, it will be in fear with the shiduchim. And it's like like looking future, and that's what the, the the fear of the parents. Oh, my daughter, my son is, an, and unfortunately, you know, we we see it. You know, how many times we try to establish a new school for this kind of children? You know, sometimes we we just coming and you know, I I really appreciate the guy that working as a woodworking uh, teacher, yeah. and this is unbelievable because we saw kids that couldn't match. To the Gaon Mivina form, or Chacham Ovadia, but they they need to do something else, and it can combine beautiful, and parents has to understand that their kids, uh, it's not we are not equal. I'm telling you, we we had the issue with with a guy that uh, the parents push him to go to a certain yeshiva, and pushing and the. the Everybody told him, no, it's not his type of yeshiva. It's not this, it's not type. No, no, it's good for him, it's good for him. And after six months, he's out of the yeshiva and out total from everything because he couldn't stand over there. And this is our, our yeah. you know, our target, I would say, to the awareness to all of us and about, about you know, the, all the medication. You know, you know exactly what my point of view about it. Yes. And I, I think that really it's it's important to again awareness and awareness. We're talking about it, and it's right, very. Rabbi G, what did you want to say? No, I, I so basically thank you, Rabbi for Baruch Hashem. The woodworking is Baruch Hashem. It's amazing how I got a very nice feedback. So Baruch Hashem, thank you for that. And um, no, I guess in my particular situation um, where, where I'm teaching in the mainstream, I see. Sometimes children who, you know, who there's no, you know, you, I, I, over the years I've seen children who are just set up for, set up for, I guess, for failure, basically. There's, you know, you, you, and I, you know, and then I, I happened to walk into the, you know, in, when, in my grade, the child was basically not, not doing well. In my class, he didn't thrive. And then um, I happened to walk into the, so in this particular school, the, there are different wings for different, uh, for different grades. So one day out of the blue, I happened to walk in uh, into the older, after he graduated my, my um, class, and I walk in, and who's in the hallway, you know, who looks with the, who looks, who's standing there with a frown face and, and looks like he, he's not really unhappy, that same child. So, and, and the conversation, I like, like you know, just to go back, this year I'm having a, um, 
I was talking to a parent of a child who who's like set up for a little guess what you, what you could call set up for failure, basically not really able to thrive in this environment. And when I was talking to the mother, talking you we were talking about denial, like um, she was like, oh, you know, you know, you should have spoken to him like this. I'm sorry, he didn't have a good start, and you know, all these type of excuses. While when I spoke to um, the previous year's teacher and just speaking to people who were involved with him. They basically told me that, like, he, he's one of the most challenging children in the whole entire school, and nobody could really get grasped on him. So it seems like there's a lot of denial out there where, where really the child is set up for failure from the beginning, and there's a lot of excuses and saying, like, oh, this is why it's not working and that, but if we just do this and just do that, well, really, if he'll be in a different environment, a more nurturing environment for his needs, then he'll be able to thrive. Yes. So, so I, true. Um, so, you know, so that, that's I, I, and my heart goes out to these children, and um, you know, because I want to, you know, as a teacher, it's very hard to, as you spoke about on your line, you know, how you can't be both both roles. You know, you talk, sometimes talk about you want to be as a psychologist, you want to be the as a social worker, you want to be the um, tough, you know, the tough one, and then you want to be the the caring one. It's very that's hard right. to play both roles as a teacher. You're either you have to be firm, and it's very hard, especially if you're, if you're too, you know, uh, especially teaching in the afternoon. You've you got to be really firm because if not, you'll get, you know, unfortunately, you, uh, you'll, 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 you, won't be, you won't be able to stay there very long if you're not firm. You know, you have That's to right. uh, really part hold your support. Of being a teacher, a large part, is about class management, the structure of running a class. And if you're too gentle or too warm with them and not able to learn to do the structure, then you're going to lose the class. Now, there is a balance, but at the same time, the teacher can't be the therapist, at least during class time. Right, exactly. Yep, I just exactly. want to remind people the number to call up is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we look forward to taking your questions and your comments. I want to add something about it. I, I don't like to, to hear others say that he's a failure or failure. I don't think that any any kid is a failure. Just to try to find the right spot for him. And I know that's taking a toll, especially in our system, the yeshiva, that's overcrowded with 25, 30 kids in a class. And the rabbanim, rabbanim is like overwhelmed. But really, try to find to see, and and I see this from my experience. So many kids that went out and find a niche, you know, and become successful in life, full. But just giving the right, the right uh, encouragement, you know, encourage them exactly. to 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 do to do something, you know. Don't that that or your failure. You just you don't you don't worth nothing. I know kids that didn't know how to read. Up to eighth grade, and suddenly they flourish. Late bloomer. It's it's happened in our life. We are not one. All the time, not just a little bit. All the time. That, that's something. All that's... the time. That's right. Our school system is based on how much you remember, how much you can concentrate, how how long you can sit. It's a very memory-based information, and some people are more emotional people which there's less emotional learning going on in information. Okay. Excellent. Again, the number, 718-683-5858, Okay. We have uh, okay. another caller. Can I just ask one more point or one more question? Okay, sure. Okay. Let's do it quick and then we'll yes. go yes. Uh, so um, I just wanted to talking about the vitamins. Um, I heard of this concept, but I didn't do any really research, and so I'm, well, I'm curious if you are familiar with the idea of I think it's called orthomolecular psychiatry, um, where basically it seems like is it like just using vitamins to? Are you familiar with orthomolecular psychiatry? I happen not like, to be. We had someone call up. I wonder if it was you that called back, referred to me a book. I ordered it. I still have it in the box. It's still a sealed box about um, vitamins and psychiatry, a lot to that. But I was just doing with college and the workshops and everything else going on. But that is like my next thing to do is to read that book and to get a, a little information about it. I, w I would say that right. 
I, I, I'm a great believer in part of this and right, right nutrition, right uh, this. It's working and we've well known quite experiment, experiment in, in uh, England about NHL that changed the diet over there, put adding some uh, omega-3 and other vitamins, vitamin B. It went on the changing the, the atmosphere and the ability of the people. I, be, I greatly believe in this. It's, yeah, it's, in that particular book, um, he... They... Okay, we lost the guy. We'll oh. go... We'll, okay, mm-hmm. the guy. We'll go yeah. to... Uh, <laughs> his plan is finished now, unfortunately. Yes. So we go to Mrs. G. Mrs. G. Hi, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi. Um, I have a question about a topic that was discussed for, you know, while it's on and off the table, a little bit of a um, controversy regarding whether BPD is something that um, you're predisposed to, it's a learned behavior, or it's something that you're born with. Um, So I was wondering what you have to say about that and have a specific situation where... I don't know if it's a controversy. I think the information shows that all the above are true. There is a bit of a genetic factor, or, or I should say, when I'm, I'm, I'm reviewing now the DSM-5, which is the book that the psychologists use, social workers use, and it just mm-hmm. says it's a number of factors. No one is saying that it's anything. I don't know if it's a controversy. No one knows where mental health comes from. There's part genetic, part environmental. And it also part depends on the person themselves. You can have one brother or one sister in the same place being affected differently. So I don't know if it's controversy. We just don't know. We just know that each of those levels can affect a person. We do know that. Right. My question is also if if there is a family where, you know, the grandmother had BPD and then the, the, the child in the family, the mother has BPD, then there's a possibility that the children and all generations will continue to have that if they don't stop, if they don't stop and, and go for help? I would take your question and phrase it a little bit differently. All right, can I take your question and phrase it differently? Sure. And in order to phrase it differently, I'll share a bit of information. <laughs> we, are, we are currently doing, which means me and for those that have signed up in the past, we're doing now a workshop for family members of personality disorders. In the second workshop, I clarify that let's assume in order for a house to function, someone has to do the laundry. Someone has to bring in the money. Someone has to go to the grocery. Someone has to make sure that the siblings are taking care of their homework or the teachers will get upset and yell and scream. What happens if it's an environment where either the mother has borderline, so she's not able to do that, or the father's a narcissist and he's not bringing in the parnasa, or he's not learning with the kids or creating the structure, who will take over those roles? I mean, physically, someone has to make supper. Physically, someone has to bring in the money. Physically, someone's got to take the boys to yeshiva or take the boys to shul on Shabbos. Who is going to learn with the boys the Gemara when the mother can't do it anymore like the little Hamish? So what we discuss in the second workshop is the different roles how a family will survive. And that means the first is a classic one, the codependent role. And that means that one child or two of the children will take over the main role. I will either do homework with the kids. I am going to make sure the table gets cleaned. And sometimes the parents can do some of it, but sometimes they can't do all of it. So that's the codependent role. However, there are many other roles that we discuss in the workshop. And one of them is the person that becomes a challenger, that says, I, we have to challenge our parent. Another role is that, that, with, that someone takes, for example, is the victim. They're always the Rachmanis. Another one is a person that doesn't feel good, and they get away with, oh, I feel a headache, I'm weak, I can't handle it. Another one is the escape child, where the person then can go around and busy, when I say escaping, they find a way just not to be there and, and to get away with places. So now let's, let's understand one concept. When you're saying BPD, that if a grandmother has BPD and the mother has BPD, will the daughter, will the, the, the daughter have BPD? I would like to change your question to be more of an educated question. Can you find, and this is what we do at the workshop, can you find which of your siblings take which role? So you're only focusing on the BPD. I ask you, which sister 
we've had that famous question here on this actual radio program with Reb Nissen. Do you remember Reb Nissen when we had that mother, in fact, she followed up saying that she, her daughter had a first cousin that was, that was wrong to her. So let's say daughter A had a first cousin B that was mean to her. Yes. And A said, I'm yeah. not going to apologize until B, uh, B did something wrong. And then when we discovered, we discovered, wow, mother of A, so we'll call now mother A, always gave in to mother of B that manipulated her or bullied her. So what I'd like you to educate is, let's not focus at BPD grandmother, BPD mother, BPD, BPD daughter. Let's look at it. What happens to the whole family? Who's the codependent one that's saving? Who's the one that can't handle pressure? Who's the one that is always fighting? And whatever happens, they're always challenging. I have a very good friend. I never noticed it. And we went two, three friends out together. And someone says, do you know, let's call him Chaim. Do you know, Chaim, that every time we order food, you always return your food to the waiter. You always see something is wrong with it. What's up? He says, what do you mean? The food's not good. He says, but in every restaurant, here it's going to be a soup. This one's going to be fish. And the other time it could be the meat. You're always going to find something wrong. So what are you hearing from my question to you now? What are you being, or what awareness do you feel I'm trying to create? To focus on the whole picture. Sorry, say that again? To focus on the whole picture and that every child take, could take something else out, it could be affected in a different way. That's exactly that. So when you're only looking at the BPD grandmother and BPD, BPD daughter and then the BPD so, granddaughter, I am saying let's start by the grandmother. So if she is a BPD grand, grandmother, one daughter became the BPD, which, will, which we call that one the pained one that they act many times. They learn to survive with the borderline mother by if you act just as mean and just as crazy, then the BPD person won't want to challenge this person because they're in pain. So what they're saying is if I am going to be asking this daughter to do something or this son to do something, and it's going to be so painful, I'd just rather ignore them. Okay. Can I, can I um, make the question a little bit more specific? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I know somebody that was diagnosed with BPD. Um, then I heard that their parents, that she came from a very difficult background and from what I heard about her family or her parents it I don't know if they were diagnosed but it sounds like all the symptoms or um, every the situation points that her mother had BPD now the daughter of this woman that was diagnosed with BPD is um, showing signs of going down that route and developing it which means she's not there but it looks like, you know, she might get there. So I'm just trying to understand, is this something that's developed? Which means out of all the children in the family, this one that looks like she's going in that direction is, um, it means I'm focusing on the whole picture, but that specific daughter okay, So what I am trying to create the awareness is that children where their needs are neglected where parents with personality disorders aren't teaching them the life skills, automatically almost all of them will have difficulties in life, and each one's survival mode will be different. So if someone's survival mode, if you could now look at a daughter that is acting like BPD, what she is saying is this is my survival mode. This is right. how I'm surviving. Right now it's his behaviors. My question That's is. That's right. It can if develop. If they don't change yes. it, it, can it be developed yes. to the point where that person will be yes. diagnosed? Yes, it can. Yes, that's the environmental factor. So that potentially, the environment, yeah. potentially uh, this could be generational because if people don't that's stop and take their exactly lives into their own hands. Exactly that. Yes. That is the beauty of this program. With Rav so, we've so created then it's not an awareness. genetic. It's partial genetic. Let me explain to you why the genetic component is. Because sometimes you can have a family where they could be in the same environment and no one will be affected. There's a genetic component to it that some of the children might, be, might get that way. Genetic means there's, a, there's a more a natia. It's, it's likely. It's not that it will happen. Under stress, some people can have a genetic component to get to stutter. 
Some can have a genetic component to get to get physical illnesses. Some can have a genetic component to have behavioral issues. Some can have a genetic. Now the question component is: Is the genetic the component always there? Like, it, is will could every it be child that develop that? We don't a, know. Such a. But I'm saying, it's not, could it be that somebody does not have a genetic component that was in such a difficult, crazy situation that they will develop these behaviors anyway? Yes, or that's nobody the ever environmental knows? factor. Yes, so environmental beliefs are yes. But let's, let's complicate your question even more. Let's assume someone does not have this genetic pre, uh, predisposition, and now mm -hmm. they're raised in that environment, and they start behaving that way, but they have a teacher or a Rebbe that helps them and they could straighten mm -hmm. themselves out easier because they don't have this genetic factor. Versus if someone has that genetic factor, maybe speaking still to that regular teacher might not be enough because now the environment plus the genetic factor might trigger it more. So what I try that to create an awareness... Yeah, what I'm trying to clarify or, or create an awareness in this program is it doesn't matter what genetic factors we have. Our genes we can't really change. We can work with our genetics. means just like in my family, unfortunately, there's a known of a heart condition. My father was nifted at 58 and his sister at 64. Although my grandparents, both their parents lived till 1 to 89 and 1 to 92, but still there is a genetic predisposition to, for the heart, and therefore I exercise, therefore I watch my weight, and other cousins try the same thing. Some don't but doesn't mean that now I'm going to be worried all the time about that. It means you do your best and you continue living. You continue moving on. The same will be with the emotional, with the emotional component. Maybe we're in a difficult but are we taking care of ourselves? I just want to remind everyone the number to call up. Those who would like to, please ask your question. The number is 78 So it if there's if there's a question like a questionnaire, I don't know what you call it. You know the specific uh, criteria that you have to meet. Somebody could potentially meet that criteria just by their behaviors, but they don't have that genetic component, or they don't. They're not yeah. there yet. They're just yes. having yes, behaviors. Yes, it's possible to get really... you without a genetic component. Yes, I know someone that has a, that that child has a heart condition, and then if a, a second child had something else, and there's no. It, both him and his wife don't have any of those. So again, we're trying to, once we start trying to figure out exactly the genes or this or that, I, I don't like doing all that. I don't like focusing on that. I do like looking at the past so we have an idea why. We have an idea more what this person needs. So it gives us a map as to what's going on, but it really doesn't matter. Right. And the beauty one of DBT, question. hold on, let's just clarify one more concept. The, the beauty of the dialectical behavioral theory is that it doesn't matter where you come from. As we start teaching you skills, then life starts changing for the better. Right. Okay. The question is, is there a way to know if somebody has a genetic component or not? I don't think I they don't have like yet. They know which genetics. No, they're not. As far it. as from my knowledge, they do not know. They do not know how to identify emotional genes yet. Right here, so there's Eddie. no way to know which sibling will more likely, would, who will have it easier to work on themselves? What, let me ask you, what's the difference? The therapy is still the same. I feel like you're focusing on genetics and you're not focusing on the main part. Mordechai, I got the feeling that here yeah, we're talking about uh, more Shidduchim crisis and stuff like this. And I know that we're facing this so many times in the, in the radio, talking about trying to screen the the, the 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 person before you know, like before it will be something disaster. Some days, you know, and unfortunately, and we see it all days that people trying to find. And the truth that as a Jewish people, we know that, for example, you bring a girl, girl, baby girl, right? He become like a Jewish, and it's not the genetic. It's not. It's not the same, and we are basically the same personality. With it, it's what are we working and how we train yourself and how we work about it. What did the therapist give you? The same, you know, the 
the the way of to continue to live. And this is the, the the idea that you know even you just I saw people with disability that you have the genes and they get out of it, total. You know, as as Mordechai said, there are some people has diabetes in a gene, or you know, or out condition. They working and continue life as regular and without any problem. I think that to look deep into to search a kind of gene def- defect gene or something this it's it, it doesn't sound so so right that's right yeah. if someone is raised in a borderline home get help that's the solution doesn't matter is if you the, the genetic more than your what is it something that is lifelong or could you graduate the dbt process and learn you get graduate you graduate all the people on. graduate it's like learning skills you're learning skills that you don't have that is the dialectical behavioral therapy. It's skills. Teaching you how when you get very upset to calm it down, teaching you how to communicate, how to speak gently, teaches you how to create peacefulness in your mind, and right. teaches you the interpersonal skills, how to, intera- into, in, to relate, to interact with people. Those are the four modules. Right, I've taken DBT. Um, okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Sure. Thank you. So the number to call is 718-683-5858, I got a phone call just before, and uh, the person wants to stay uh, out of the line. And the question basically reminds me the same text that we got from uh, a person with diagnosed as BBT, you know, the borderline personality, right? And he said that his, his wife was the pioneer, she learned how to be a with him, and later he, he joined, basically, he, in the beginning he refused. So the, the, this person that called us is, is, a, is a child of a person that diagnosed as borderline, and the person went to one-time session, and he doesn't want uh, to go back. And what she has to do, what the person has to do. I think we discuss this every program. Yes. So what yeah. is that we usually say? Yeah, that's what exactly. That's exactly that the, the spouse has to go to learn how to be firm, how to learn to use. And you had a workshop about it, right? Exactly. So we're doing I, that, but no, the workshop is not how to help the other person. No, it's not how to. Yeah, it's, that's right. The workshop. That's why I call the workshop for family members. Yes. It's how you help yourself, and when you help yourself. Usually it takes about a year for then the unhealthy person, the person with a diagnosis that's in such pain, will change or will be forced to change, but will be different. We don't know if they're going to go for therapy. Not always do they go for therapy. Sometimes it ends in divorce. Sometimes it ends where the worst-case scenario, where the kids are speaking to Rabban and man with the therapist, and they need to set up very strong boundaries. Not always does the person with a personality disorder get better, but many times... I've seen significant, significant changes and shifts. Okay, uh, we have a long, right round, long Megillah here. Let me just um, forward it for you. So till then, I'm going to read the other message you sent me. Okay. Hi, thanks so much for your fantastic program. I wanted to know, how do you differentiate between a personality disorder and just being frustrated by a situation and getting short-tempered? So first, let's answer this question. There is a major difference, nothing even close to someone having borderline, to someone being short-tempered. That means frustrated happens once in a while. If the person shouts every day, then they might have anxiety. Borderline, you need to have, again, a certain number of criteria out of nine. And they have to be almost all the time in almost all the relationships. So it's the ups and downs with the other people. It's the greatly respecting them and then not respecting them. It's about the significant feeling of emptiness within yourself, significant. Uh, this warped view of yourself, seeing, thinking that you're bad or that you're evil, which doesn't match. There's a lot of components that has nothing to do with frustration. It's not about someone being frustrated. It's, it's on a lot more levels. 
So there is almost no similarity between getting frustrated and just stamazai. Um, the number again for those that would like, because we'd like to get callers in, is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And let's go ahead and read this message that you just sent. Dear Mr. Weinberger, thank you so much for your radio show. I look forward each week. I really learn a lot from the awareness. You should be gebenched. Amen. Now to my question. We get along with our children. One of our son-in-laws keeps on bragging to my daughter and my children how hush of his family is. We recently had a child chasna. All my children came over to the parents and grandparents say Mazel Tov. My son-in-law walked in late and saw us talking in the hall, and he came to tell us Mazel Tov. I asked him, where is his family? And he said he's going to get them. Um, let me just see where it is. I love Mazel Tov. I he's going to get them. By the meal, I walked over to the table and said to the grandchildren, Mazel Tov. When I got to the table where my son-in-law was sitting with his kids, they were just nagging that they want pickles and soda. After the chasna, I announced to all the grandchildren that Zaidi and Bobby have pekaloch. Go to, go to Bobby so you can get the pekaloch. This grandchild, which was nagging, asked if she could have a pekaloch. I told them it's for the children who say mazel tov. To Zaidi and my son-in-law told the child, tell Zaidi you don't see him. You didn't see him. You were embarrassed. All this time excuses me. I just announced again that everyone should go to Bobby to give their Nash Pekaloch. This grandchild went to her. What could I do on my part that they should come over to the parents and grandparents by the next Simcha Emir Tzashem? Thank you so much for taking your time to answer my question. Whoa, I don't know what hurts me more. Your question, the, 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 the pain that the, children, that the grandchildren are getting from the grandparents, or the pain that these grandchildren are getting from the father, based on the way you're saying it. Sounds very strange. Yeah, let's start like this, grandparents. Can I create an awareness? You have over here a grandchildren that seems like you have issues with your son-in-law. And your son-in-law, either you're not happy the way he's being, the way he's treating your daughter, or the way he's treating your your grandchildren. They're not coming to the simchas. Everyone is coming. All of these issues are going on. So now there are two ways of viewing it. Either you can say, "Well, the son-in-law's got issues." Nebuch to my daughter. Nebuch to my grandchildren. So you know what? Let me at least be the Bobby and the Zadie that give them love. Or. What it sounds like you're doing is you're busy worried about yourself. Me, Zaidi, or Bobby, I need to get a mazel tov for my children. I need the grandchildren to come over to me. So now that the grandchildren are not coming over to you, you're not going to give them a pekola. Do you see, Nabuch, how, how these grandchildren and possibly your daughter is being doubly victimized? My suggestion would be to look at it this way. Well, my daughter needs someone to care for her. Let me give my daughter a call every day and just say, I love you, and I care about you. And if I were you, I would be sending pekeloch to your grandchildren every hour of Shabbos and say, no, Bobby and Zadie love you. You initiate to them. Let them have some love. Let them know there's someone out there taking care of them. This is my thoughts, Rav Nissen. That's This is 100%. 100%. You know, it's like... Uh... We we said in in Hebrew when you have uh, in laws you just have to close your mouth and open your wallet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, basically it's so it's it's a that it's a person that outsider, and if you wanted to to welcome him to the family and if he has an issue with himself it's a different story, but you for the especially for the grandchildren and your daughter, for their benefit don't show this. Or what you call respect game or kavod game, you know? Oh, he he didn't come to me. He doesn't, you know. He didn't show me respect. Give it aside. For okay, you, and I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. No, it's hurt. It's oh, very painful. Exactly. It's very painful, but for the benefit of your daughter and benefit of your grandchildren, you want them to see that 
you're good, you love them anyway. That's right. And you want them to know the feeling of love, the feeling that someone cares for me. This is so important to have that. Yeah, this is uh, really a lesson from life. Okay, yep. so we'll go to uh, Mrs. K. Mrs. K, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Mrs. Yes, K? hello. Yeah, I wanted to know, is there any way that you can, like, educate a mother that her child has a disorder? Let me understand this. Just, I want you to, I'm going to rephrase the question. Is yeah. there any way to speak to an adult that's much older than you, that raised you, that doesn't want to hear certain information? Right, Exactly. Excellent. Now, do you see how much more complicated that is? Is there any way? Because it's very simple. Many relationships, I'm sure of this and that sometimes your kids will tell you, Abba, we need this or we need that, or things are done a little bit differently, and then you want to hear about it. Yes. So people, children, many times correct us or update us. I could speak to my son or to my older daughters that tell me what's going on in school, and they go, oh, by me things were like that. And I'm pretty young. It means I don't feel it's such a, such a major generation gap, but still things are different. So parents are willing to listen to the kids. The issue is what happens when you have an unhealthy parent that doesn't want to listen to the kids? And the answer always remains the same. For you to be the beacon of light, for you to stop trying to change the mother, for you to stop, but at the same time you stop listening to her kvetching, means she cannot speak to the kids and say, what do I do about this kid? They don't, they're not getting better. Or we're having such problems in school, the teachers are calling. And the answer is, Sama, sorry, Mommy, I really want to help you, but this is something that's out of my expertise. Mm-hmm. What okay. do you hear? What was your question? What's the answer that you're getting? That basically there's no way uh, that I could really tell her what to, what to do and what, what this child needs and whatever. You know, she has to get, get it on her own. That's right, but how will she get it? But I want you to realize there's a, so there is an answer that we're giving you by you that being... I just, cool. I just back off and tell her that it's not, she's not talking to the right person. That's right, but what will happen then? Take it further. I want you to realize backing off is a method of therapy. For those listening, please hear this. Not getting involved, it does take a process for it to work, but it does change. We've had several times daughters like you call up saying that once they have disconnected from playing the savior role to their mother then a couple within a couple of weeks of the mother's healthy said oh yeah i need some help where do you go or how do i get some advice uh-huh. so i want you to realize by you not listening to the negative means you're still the daughter in every other area you can talk about your relationship with your with your mother you can talk about your children uh-huh. you can talk about everything but about the difficulty with this child when you're clear this is not my area there are major changes that happen mm-hmm. okay thank you yes excellent okay we'll go to miss g miss g yes hi my question is um regarding anxiety go right ahead sure so the question is about anxiety i'm very i don't really hear you we don't hear you either oh hold on hold on hold on please hold on please Yeah, that was coming out very low. Now, hello? Yes, hi. Okay, how do you hear us? Yes, I hear you. Good. Regarding anxiety, um, I wanted to know if, if, in my opinion, if someone messed up with trying to help out with anxiety, is it now a longer um, process, or is it rather to give time to wait? for things to calm down, meaning to say if someone has tried helping... Yeah, I need more examples, because I'm not sure what that means. What I mean by that is that um, if there's someone trying to help out with anxiety and the way that we're trying to work, work, work it down... An example. It Let's take an example that's not real. Let's say someone has a social anxiety that when they're in public they are afraid. They feel people are looking at them, they don't want to be in the middle, they're afraid of fainting, whatever that should be. Okay, now, how did someone make it worse? Um, by explaining 
basically, and, and like by explaining to me that it comes from not that it comes from, but trying to figure out if it comes from a parent, if I'm getting it from a parent, if there's any signs that I ever see a parent having anxiety, and they gave me examples. By that, okay. Got and me, how did that harm you? With double anxiety, whenever I see my mother getting anxious, it makes me anxiety. And if it's especially if it brings me to anxiety, when I have anxiety, when I go to the doctors, but before the doctor appointment, I see my mother getting nervous for, let's say, if it's a bad cut or something. I'm going to get double nervous, and by the doctor, I'm just going to faint, or I just can't handle it anymore because I'm double. That's anxious. right. Excellent. Now, why do you think it's that person's fault? No, I don't think it's that person's fault. I think that it's just the concept was not or was not working along with me well because it why was not? just less why isn't, the, why isn't the concept working? I think the concept's working very well. Why? Yeah, but now you're aware of it. Now, what are you going to do to change? Awareness is the first step of healing. Let me ask you something. If I want to get out of a room, I'm right now in a room, the studio where I'm doing this. There's a door that's closed. I'm bumping into the door, and I'm not getting out because the door is closed. And someone tells me, oh, you have to open the door. Now, am I going to be upset at the person that tells me that i got to turn the door? i got to turn the handle? No. So, then so there should what's be the problem? Left. If you're now aware that your mother has anxiety, now you've got a choice. Do you want to act like that and recognize that when you're around someone that's anxious, it can trigger your stress? Or do you want to continue the process and now learn how to be calm within yourself even when your mother is stressed? Okay, it wasn't explained to me like that. It was more of you ever see your mother sigh. Yes, I see my mother sigh. So every time I see my mother sigh, I think it's she's getting anxious. I think she has the feeling that I have, and that's a terrible, horrible feeling of lose control of yourself or lose numbness. All right, um, so that's where the therapist. So that's why. So if you have, let me ask you a question. Let's mm -hmm. and, and this I don't want you to answer the question, but if someone has a diagnosable issue. Let's, let's try a different example. If someone's having a heart attack, will you go to someone to start asking and discussing it, or will you go to a doctor? A doctor. Good. So my, yes, that's what I was looking for. What I'm saying is if you think in the family that you have is, let's say, more anxiety than just a concern, then you need to go to a therapist that is licensed. Mm -hmm. And there's no... Okay. Okay. What are you hearing? I'm still trying to figure out like, what was the point and the awareness of... What I'm saying is you're saying you spoke to someone and someone asked you those questions. If there's something called anxiety, then you got to deal with it. Go to professionals, not people's words or people's advice. Why suffer? No, this it's is workable. more of like a class. Someone that gave a class on 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 people to understand where the, um, the anxiety comes from. It's not like official right. therapy kind of Great. class. It's an it's awareness. Like, That's fantastic. These classes. It creates an awareness now. Did, Mental health. So well. then you automatically, you automatically after going to your class, you're going to say everyone needs to go to therapy because it's just making get more. There is something, yes, 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 that is the point. Now you're hitting what awareness is. You got it. Why should you suffer? Let's, uh, let's assume it's you, and let's say it's your mother, and let's say it's your grandmother. Don't you think it's time to change, to have peacefulness? Yeah, that's no, exactly what awareness is. Change, that's not what life's meant to be like. This is not how Hashem created the world. He right, created so the it in there, but you can change it. That's the right. point of the awareness. awareness. So awareness is a step before such kind of classes you would say is a step before therapy. So these things are just therapy. Of course. Of course. If there's no awareness, you'll never change. Imagine someone limps, the grandmother limps, the mother limps, and the kid limps, and no one ever said, you know, you're meant to walk straight. And if you limp, let's see why. Did you ever injure yourself? If you did, did you go to a doctor? 
Oh, if you didn't go to a doctor, then go to a doctor. Okay. Did you injure yourself? Did you, let's say, break a leg? You went to the doctor, but then did you go to the physical therapy or occupational therapy, whichever works on the leg? Oh, you didn't do that. Now, that could help you preventing from limping. Is it maybe that you never even hurt yourself? But your grandmother walked like that and your mother walked like that, so therefore you learn to walk like that. Let me tell you that you can actually walk straight and healthy. And now the person is going, oh, hey, are we blaming my mother or my grandmother? No, we're creating the awareness that you can walk healthy. And this way you can start walking straight and your children can start walking straight. It's not blame. It's awareness. And when you start seeing, wow, I see it clearly now. My oh, grandmother I, might have I'm hurt herself. I'm definitely not trying to blame because I don't think my mother was the cause of this at all. I'm and not blaming. I'm talking about blame. No, I'm talking about you are blaming the other ones. You're blaming the awareness. And what I'm trying to uh, share with you is awareness might be uncomfortable when you get it. But now there's room for healing. If you don't have the awareness, you can't heal. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. So the awareness is the step before therapy, in other words. Of course. How could someone change if you're not aware that it could be changed? I think so that the awareness is the, 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 the kind of do all the yes. And by the way, I've got some clients, very few, that come to me for intakes, let's say to come to the center, and I tell them, I hear where you're coming from. You've got so much on your plate right now. Do not start therapy because I hear so many issues going on that you're not even aware of, and you're not strong enough to deal with it right now. So what then should I do yes. if that's not the awareness? Sometimes you have to know when to give awareness. Is the person ready for awareness? Oh, okay. Pass, step past the awareness. What do you mean by the next step? means now that you have the awareness, now you can start being aware that you have the right to have a cut and to be calm. And you have the right that if you have a cut and your mother is nervous, to still be calm. You have a right for calmness. And it seems like oh, you're... Oh, 100%. <laughs> Every person would know that they have the right to. Do they have the ability to? No. That's right. That's what you got, the awareness. You're getting the awareness. There's issues going on. You don't have the ability because it sounds like whoever is the mother of those, I don't know if it's your mother or if it's you're calling for someone else, but whoever it is, in that house, they didn't teach the children the skills how to deal with stress. So I have a workshop that we call Stress to Inner Peace, which are the skills that parents teach their children or skills that those that have anxiety that were never taught the skill on how to decrease the stress or how to make different choices, that the anxiety goes down. Sometimes you need a therapist. Sometimes other stuff might be needed. But there are, there's an awareness. First, there's a problem. The next step is start learning the skills. The next step is sometimes you need to have someone practice with you the skills. And sometimes we need even a higher intervention, like medication, to help out because it's so long or so deep. But once so then we I have disagree, that, then I'm, then I'm back to step one. If, if this is what you're telling me, then the awareness that I got is incorrect. Then it is making it worse in a way because I don't see my mother getting stressed like that. She's, what I was explained is, that it's a sigh. Does your mother sigh often? Yes. If it's Shabbos and she's sitting down on the couch and relaxing, if she's going to give a sigh to me, that's going to tense me up already. No. If she tends, does she know how to control her? her everything else is perfectly fine. I, I don't understand that then. I want you to understand, I, I cannot take responsibility for, someone, for what someone else did. I don't know what that sigh, I don't know the questionnaire, I don't know how it rates, I don't know if they explained it to you, I don't know if they explained it to you, it's not just one thing, you need several. I don't even know who did this. For all I know is it could be a 16-year-old girl that decided no, no, to no. go on the it internet. No, no, someone giving a class to a bunch of people. I, know, I still don't election. know. I, I need you to understand, I don't know if they're licensed. I don't know no, where not. they got their information. Uh, uh, let me just jump yeah. it. I know, I know that it's. I, I remember in the university when we starting learning any courses, you know, especially with the psychology and other, you know, other stuff, and sudden or biology, you learn about the kind of uh, uh, illness 
and everybody's thinking, you know, start putting us themselves, oh, I am suffering from this, I have this. You know, unfortunately, if you don't have a really licensed therapist or licensed person that know how to transfer, it can put, uh, it can create a lot of damage because, you know, especially in the teenagers or in a young, young person that, oh, you know what, I'm, Maybe this is the the syndrome that I'm suffering. This is what it's look like exactly what it's describe exactly what I'm feeling and describe what is my my mother, my my father doing, and you create you create yourself as your own monster. I think that you just look look a little bit and on objective and get out from this plan. Especially don't you know see people taking books and suddenly become they analyze themselves. What what That's we right. do? No. There's a concept in the Gemara that the Gemara says, who is a greater of? Someone that says something is author, or a rav that's able to find a way for something to be motor. And the Gemara says, Kayach de hetero adaf. A rav that can recognize that why you should ask for something, but at the same time, how you could be moderate, that rav is a greater rav. It takes more places, more shoulders, more responsibility to be matter something than to answer something. Now, that's, again, always a little concern that I have when we do programs like this, because we give information, but sometimes people can take it the wrong way. And what you're saying is exactly what Rob Nissen said, that when you have a licensed professional giving information, they also, because licensed professionals, they teach us how we're not here to create a panic. We're here to create an awareness. So it's very easy to say, if a mother sighs, oh, it's terrible. If a father gets angry, he's abusive. But that's not correct. That's false. Being human means we'll sigh, means we'll have a difficult time, means it becomes before simcha and there isn't enough money or there's so many things you've got to do. It's normal to have a sigh. The question is, is it all the time? Is it most of the time? Is it around hot solids? Is it around health? Is it around when they're overwhelmed? Is it, a, is it about how people do in school? Is it about what the streets will say? Right. Each of yeah, these you're clarifying are, it so much now. Yeah, and again, so that is a difference between a licensed professional and a non-licensed professional. And that's why licensed professionals charge more, because they have to go to college. I'm, I've now started going back to, for my clinical degree, my Ph.D. It's going to take me seven years. I'm spending between 10 and 15 hours a week on that. That's money. I'm spending over $100,000 throughout seven years to get the degree. So when people, what they teach us during this time is how not to create a fear, how not to start saying everyone's got a diagnosis, for us to recognize that there is a certain line that's blurred because some people will be in one area and some people will be on a higher level when it gets to be a diagnosable issue. It's not a clear-cut black-and-white situation. Right, so you suggest that after such a step, you do go straight to therapy, right? Um, no, I feel you're even taking words I've never said. What I said is, if you think you might have anxiety, then you speak to your parents, you work with your parents. You, and you need say, to see as an evaluation? evaluation? Yeah, maybe you don't have it. And- Maybe who said you have anxiety? Because I've gone for evaluation. In my opinion, you don't. You are a very healthy girl. In my opinion, what you're talking about it, and just you put a little bit on your head, a little bit too much. That's right. That's why I think speak to your parents, discuss it with them before. Is there a reason why you should? Maybe even call that teacher and find out what that person that gave the workshop, what they meant. Maybe they need to be educated about the no, fears no, no. that they're I'm creating. Sorry, I'm not clear. So I'm sorry, I wasn't clear. The evaluation was done like a year before even that class. There was just nothing done with that after I was evaluated. But I'm saying past that, um, the only thing that we once saw was such a class being given. So we just tried it, and I felt like it came back home, and I was so mixed up. I didn't enjoy it. Okay, good. I, I appreciate what we did till now was great. We're getting definitely a good awareness. Uh, uh, so what do you say? What, what are we getting out of this? I think that uh, most of us have get the awareness. And I, 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 first of all, I wish you all the best. And I think that you can, you can do it uh, very easily.
And if you feel they go to a diagnosis, to, to evaluation, you can do it again. But, uh, uh, do, you know, talk with your parents. And, uh, you know, you, you know, from the beginning of this show, we heard about gene- DNA and genetic and stuff like this. It seems like today everybody like to find something in the black uh, background a dark background of something wrong with my my parents, and that's why I'm like this, or something wrong with my grandparents. It's a little. (laughs) It it seems like a little bit overwhelmed, and you sound very very healthy girl. Thank you. Thank you very much. I I want to agree with everything he said. Everything is great. Discuss it with your parents if you think you might have it. And they'll do it from there. Just because you take a workshop, just as Rabbi Nissen said, like when he was in college and right away you start learning something, everyone thinks, oh, they, they have it. Right. That's it. Okay. Yes. We are finished with this. Uh... Yes. Right. With the program for this evening. Yes. Thank you very much. And to all our, all our dear listeners, uh, keep listening to us. Next week, yes. Bezat Hashem, will be right. before will be with Baser Besorot of all. We say Mashiach is coming, and nobody <laughs> will be okay. Vaita, thank Amen. you. Amen. Yes, Hatzlacha and be well. Amen. Good night.